Hello. <laughs> Welcome. This is um this is interesting. My name is John Brown and this is No You Can't Say Hi. A podcast experience. Um so this has been like an ongoing thing, an ongoing process. I've been trying to record this for a while now. And in the midst of that, I got sick, so I'm a little bit under the weather right now, but um, I'm going to try to tough through it. My throat is killing me. Take that how you will. Um, this is, this is fun. I hope, uh, I hope to, I hope to do a lot of interesting things, talk about a lot of interesting things, make a lot of interesting moves. Um, shout out to everybody that's been helping me out with this. Um, I'm looking for a co-host actually. So this is an APB. I think it'd be more interesting if, um, I had somebody to go back and forth with bounce ideas off of. So, um, holla at me on Twitter or email. No, you can't say hi at gmail.com. Um, I had an entire podcast, um, laid out and everything. And then I turned on the news and I saw that the Iowa caucuses are tomorrow. I'm actually taping this on Sunday, on Sunday night. So the Iowa caucuses are tomorrow. Um, so I wanted to start off with that. Um, I, I really don't care anymore about this whole process until like the final, two candidates from the two major parties are, you know, nominated, but, um, it's still kind of interesting. Um, and by kind of interesting, I mean, there's only one interesting person this, in this entire, um, field and it's Donald J. Trump. It's crazy because I never expected him to, to, you know, get to the heights that he's gotten to. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me because we live in this country, this country that's, you know, lies to us repeatedly about racism being over and about it being such a progressive and loving nation. And he's just proving that, you know, we're not, uh, and we're not even close. Um, and I, I, every time I think he's done, like every single time, I think he's done. He he gets stronger. Like every racist thing he says helps him. Like he 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 wasn't doing too well, and then he said, "Oh, we need to build a wall," and he, he's in first place. And it's 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 wild. It's wild to me. Like I'm a I'm a very cynical person anyway, but this sort of like made me double down on my cynicism. Um, it gives me little to no hope. I mean, I wasn't going to re- vote for the Republican candidate, whether it was Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush or whoever, whoever the hell else was running. Um, it's just, it's a sad state of affairs that this guy is probably going to win. Like he's, he's in the lead right now. He's beating Ted Cruz by like a couple of points and he's projected to win. And Hillary Clinton is projected to win um, the Democratic nomination. More on that later. 
And, you know, if Trump wins Iowa, I think the next one is New Hampshire. And they say he's he has like a 10 or 15 point lead, something insurmountable. So he's going to win that one. And if he wins the first two, it's it's essentially over. When you win the first two primaries, it's very difficult for you to lose um, to lose your party's uh, nomination. And it's just it's crazy to me. It's fa- it's I don't even want to say fascinating because it's not really fascinating. I know I used that word earlier, but it's 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 disheartening, really, as a person that is not white as a black man, it's like half of the country so vehemently hates everything about you that they'd be willing to put this man in the white house in the largest office in in our land. It's wow. It's, Okay, I'm I'm sort of in a good place, so let's 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 not get depressed right now. But it's 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 wild. But I'm on the on the Democratic side. I was very interested in um, Bernie Sanders, and I was I was feeling the burn. I'm not even gonna sit here and um, lie to anybody. I was feeling the burn, and I'm I wasn't feeling Hillary Clinton. I'm still not feeling Hillary Clinton. Um, I don't like how people conflate her husband's presidency. With her, like she's her own person, she's going to be, you know, her own politician, her own um, um, president, which she probably is going to win eventually, but she's going to be her own president, so you can't use his policies to, you know what I'm saying, disparage her, but the main policy that affects people like me and people that look like me that Bill Clinton spearheaded in past was the 1994 crime bill. And Hillary was, you know, she was at the forefront in passing that bill. There's a clip going on, uh, going around online, on Twitter uh, specifically, about Hillary, you know, using racial coding and ra- uh, racist language to get this bill passed. Like, if we don't get this bill passed, these black monsters are going to be on our streets raping our women or rape yeah raping our women and selling drugs to our neighbors and our brothers and sisters and this is why we need this bill to lock them up and throw away the key which is why you see such exorbitant um sentencing for nonviolent drug offenders especially on their first uh offense you know what i'm saying and the whole talk of criminal justice reform now, which I, I find to be laughable because you're not going to reform a system that's that was created to disenfranchise and to enslave black people. You're not going to reform that system. That system must be destroyed. This criminal justice reform that she's, you know, spearheading, it it's hypocritical. It's insulting. Because, you know, we can pull your receipts out on you. So I'm never going to be a Hillary supporter. Um, I'm never going to be enthralled about having Hillary Clinton as president. Um, I have my problems with her. If, you know, you can parse out your issues with her and vote for her, fine. I may be able to do so in the future. I I doubt it, but, you know, it, it's possible. Um... 
Bernie, on the other hand, is someone that, you know, people, he's someone that people really, really, really like. And the type of person that really likes Bernie is not the type of person that really likes me. You understand what I'm saying? Like the white dude, bro, you know what I'm saying? The annoying older white lady, the overbearing population, like people who don't necessarily care about black people or black lives, but vote democratic um, are his largest supporters. And he doesn't have a lot of support from black people. And his claim is that black people don't know who he is, which is insulting. Like black people haven't been paying attention to this God awful presidential cycle from the beginning. Don't insult, you know, an entire race's intelligence, but it's because of one black people's relationship with the Clintons and that Clinton name and the, you know what I'm saying? The feelings that black people get when they hear that name. And two, his policies aren't race-specific. They're class-specific. They're encompassing. And if you look at any major policy in American history that have been class-specific, the GI Bill, the New Deal, um, Social Security, um, Medicaid, um, they've left black people behind. Black people have been left behind on the GI, were, le- were left behind on the GI Bill. We were, you know, systematically denied access to it, which, you know, helped create the foundation for the American middle class as we know it today. Black people were denied a lot of the benefits from FDR's New Deal for no other reason than the color of their skin. You understand what I'm saying? Like, the the entire 20th century, we, we talk about the racism in the South and the Jim Crow laws and the overt, you know, the, the, the separate water fountains and the segregation and the separate but equal. On the federal level, it was the same. In the North, it was the exact same. The disenfranchisement and the, 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 the rampant discrimination was everywhere yeah it was everywhere and it was especially prevalent on the federal level it this is how things were designed to be right this these weren't accidents like these weren't just you know oh well we designed this to be encompass everyone but black people just slipped through the cracks we don't know how this happened no this is how the system works. It is designed to disenfranchise you. It is designed to discriminate against you. It is designed to kill you, right? So Bernie's policies, while you know they've been touted as progressive reform and socialist and all these things, all these these policies haven't been race specific. Like you're talking about free college. Well, what about the the black kids who can't get into college with the same uh, GPAs as their white counterparts. What about the black kids on campus who uh, don't receive the same sort of attention that white kids on campus receive from mostly white faculties and mostly white student governments 
And what about the lack of black educators and the lack of black curriculums in most colleges, most um, uh, PWIs? His policies don't address these things. You're giving college, free, you're giving free college to everyone, but not everyone's going to have access to that. You understand what I'm saying? Unless you specifically, specifically state how you were going to do that. And to be honest with you, I'm, I've had enough of progressive policies that don't specifically state how they're going to help black people. I've, I've had enough of progressive policies that say they're, that they're just going to help everybody. Black people matter too. And we've had a fucked up history in this country. We've had, we have 400 years of proof. We have more than 400 years of proof. Like, it, it's it's disproportionate. It doesn't help us. Things like this, things like Bernie Sanders' policies, they don't adequately help us. Ever. Like, ever. And, um, you know, despite all of these questions I, I had about Bernie Sanders, I was feeling the burn. I'm not even, I was feeling the burn. Hashtag feel the burn, man. I was I was with it. I was down. I was waving the pom poms. I was like, yo, I need to register my friends to vote in the the primary. We need we need this guy. He's going. He's it. He's the guy. He's going to be it. And then he was asked. I don't know who asked him. I don't remember who asked him. But he was asked about reparations and he said reparations couldn't possibly pass this Congress so he could never support them because the because of their divisiveness, right? And Tanahazi Coates responded quite um you know intelligently that Bernie really doesn't have you know clout to talk about divisive policy because his entire campaign is sort of based in that in the sense that when you call yourself a radical socialist you're already alienating a large swath of the American public now whether they agree with your sentiments or not are entirely different right which is something that a lot of people haven't really you know parsed in my opinion like a lot of Bernie, what Bernie says resonates with the majority of people in this country, but the way he presents it doesn't. You understand what I'm saying? So like when he says college should be more affordable or free, most people agree with that. When he says the power 1%, the 1% of this nation shouldn't get all the new wealth, everyone agrees when he calls himself a democratic socialist is when you sort of get that deviation that sort of, oh, well, he wants to make this, you know, Western Europe and da-da-da-da-da, right? So Bernie's policies aren't divisive, but his language is. And the most divisive, um, the most divisive conversations in this country stem from race period point blank i mean people would rather talk about religion gender sexuality they anything 
they'd rather talk about anything but race because it is such a sensitive issue, but it's also an issue that a lot of people are wrong on. Wrong. And when you tell somebody that they're wrong, they, they don't like to hear that. When you tell someone who has been told their entire life one thing, when you tell that person that what they've been told is wrong, what they've been taught is wrong, what they think they know is wrong, that's the, the most divisive, the most divisive shit ever. And that's what race is, and that's what reparations are, because reparations are the payment, the payment for the pain, the suffering that black people have had in this country, on this land, since, what, 1619, I think, are when uh, 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 black, um, enslaved black people came via the... uh, transatlantic slave trade I think it was 1619 and then from slavery to Jim Crow to you know denial of advancement advancement to uh, redlining to exclusion from so much to mass incarceration you, you need to pay right you need to pay and it's sort of like you know the the person who says, well, I never owned slaves. The white person who says, I never owned slaves. My family never owned slaves. My, my family came from Ireland. We struggled too. I, I we were, no, Nobody was ever racist in my family. Why do, why do I have to pay? Well, the thing is, debt is transferable, right? So when our parents died, our grandparents died, with debt accumulated, we still had to pay it, right? What I'm saying is this country is what, like $18 trillion in debt? That $18 trillion of debt hasn't just appeared in the last 10 years. It's been hundreds of years and we still have to pay that debt. There is no, you know, for debt forgiveness plan from other countries, you still have to do it. And there damn sure won't be no debt forgiveness plan from black people. Like you have to pay what you owe. However you you would like to pay it, whether you would like cash, which is, you know, yeah, my nigga, we need cash. Nigga, we need bread in our fucking hands, yo. It's just straight up. Like cash, G whether that's also because not only do we need cash but we also need money in you know our school systems maybe and i saw this on twitter uh, in passing someone said maybe a part of reparations should include stock um in companies that profited from slave labor which yes yeah, what, what, okay, but, um, I've gotten off track a little bit, um, reparations are very divisive, divisive, whatever, um, because not a lot of people 
are going to really think about it because they don't have to. You know what I'm saying? And so when Bernie says he's not going to support it, I look at him like, okay, I can't really fuck with you like that anymore. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel the same way I felt because you were touting this radical, progressive, democratic, socialist um, persona, and you're not that. You're not that. So don't do it. So don't tout it. So I'm out. Um, I pretty much don't care. I spent 20 minutes on this. This is 20 minutes too long. So I'm going to transition to something more interesting. Um, so speaking about, you know, political, you know, fighting Drake and Meek Mill reignited their little cold war, their beef this weekend um, Drake on his OVO radio show released a, a, a song called uh, Summer 16 where um, it's foreshadowing to, you know, I guess his album, which is dropping in April uh, 2016 this year. And he had some lines in there directed at Meek. He had some lines in there directed at Kanye. Okay, we'll get to that. He had some lines directed at Jay. Um... He claimed that he recorded back to back in the same hotel as Meek and Meek didn't do anything. He claimed he told Meek that if you're going to shoot at him, you better shoot at him in the head. Whether. okay, okay, Mr. Degrassi. And, you know, it was so it was it was an okay song. It wasn't great. Anybody that's telling you it's great is, you know, a Drake super fan, whatever. That's when you're a superstar, when you're the number one guy in the game, you can, people are going to cape for you. That's whatever. Um, So about 10 minutes after this drops, Meek Mill drops an EP. Another four by times, or by four, four by four, four times four. I don't fucking know. He drops another little EP where he has a Drake disc of his own on there. Right? Uh, it's featuring O'Malley. Um For you guys' sake, I listened to O'Malley's verse, so you didn't have to. Please don't listen to O'Malley's verse. It's like I'm just shout out to O'Malley, man. Shout out to the whole. Shout out to Philly. I'm, you know, in South Jersey. I can't be talking shit about Philly when this is basically Philly. But, anyways, um, Meek had this diss that was pretty good. He talked about the same four seasons hotel that drake was in and hotline bling don't get no bang up in this new wraith he was it was it was something that he should have dropped back when this whole thing started which i think would have shifted public opinion which so drastically like turned on him um the memes killed him which is just so (sighs) ridiculous I don't even I can't even put it into words how how that is in 2016 that memes when a rap beef but um it was it was a good song and it was a better song than Drake's song Drake um Drake talked about um he was going to sign with Jay but he d- decided to become Jay 
Um, okay. I don't think Drake has the J influence yet, but he's also at the top of the game and he's been at the top of the game since like take care, I'd say maybe even a little bit before. And honestly, we don't see runs that long of just one guy or girl at the top, right? Like his reign has been pretty, you know, unprecedented. Like, you don't see this. Like, usually it's a couple years and then someone else takes it. It's a couple years. Drake has been the number one guy, period. I mean, Kendrick has been, like, nipping at his his heels, but Kendrick doesn't have the the impact that Drake has. When, like, Drake drops a song, everybody listens. Drake has a $10 million deal with Apple Music. He's He has a partnership with the Toronto Raptors. He has his own shoe. He has his own clothing line. Every album he drops goes platinum. He has, you know, he drops good albums too. Hits. He has the most number one hits of any rapper. He's like, you know, the resume is there. I mean, you can't hate on the guy. I mean, you can, but you, you're kind of crazy to hate on him. But, you know, he's not Jay-Z. <laughs> All of that aside, he might be this generation's Jay-Z, but he's not Jay-Z. And that's fine. There is only one Jay-Z. Jay-Z's the best rapper of all time for a reason. He's the most, or one of the most impactful, you know, musicians of the 21st century. And the 20, you know, of the 21st century. Um, Drake also said he has a bigger pool than Kanye, even though Kanye's pool is nice. It's, if if this is what rap beef and disses are, and rap shade, leave it alone please just leave it alone. Like if that's what we're, we're going to do, we're going to, 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 to flex about each other's pools. Niggas flexing about chlorine water. Like is really, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I ain't feeling that. Um, but whatever, whatever. Um, 2016, man. Um, yeah. Uh, Kanye's album comes out. In a week and a half, Rihanna just dropped. Uh, I heard it was good. Um, I just got paid, so I'm about to go copy it off iTunes now and check it out. Um, who else is dropping? Um, I'm trying to think of anything, any other. This has been a crazy news week. There's been a lot of, a lot of, I'm sort of, my voice is starting to go. So I'm not really going to extend this for that much longer but there's been a lot of crazy crazy news one thing i do want to um well a couple things i want to talk about um the super bowl you know um the next podcast i do the super bowl will be over so i just want to give a little prediction i think the panthers are going to win i think cam newton's going to win the mvp i think the panthers are going to win by at least 17. I don't think they're... Well, not 17. I, I, a touchdown and a field goal. Like, you know, 35-25 sort of thing. I don't think... um, You know, Peyton has two weeks off. Uh, he's done. But even with two weeks off, a quarterback can have, you know... A, a, a decent game. And he's going to be in, in, in good weather in nice warm weather. So I think it's going to be conducive to him, but I don't think he's good enough to beat that Panthers defense. I also don't think, um, 
the Broncos defense is that stingy. Um, I watched that New England game. The New England offensive line is terrible. It is atrocious. And when they did block for, you know, a couple of seconds, Tom Brady, you know, he slung the ball around the field a little bit. And Cam Newton presents a different challenge because he's a he's a a dual threat quarterback. He can throw in the pocket, he can throw on the run, he can run the read option, he can escape on broken plays, like he can do it all, right? He's the prototype that is never going to be duplicated because of just how talented he is. Like a lot of people are saying like, this is going to be the new one. It's not going to be the new NFL. You're not going to have a quarterback that's 6'5", 260, can throw in the pocket, can throw on the run, can run a 4'5", can truck you, can juke you. Like it's it's not going to happen. More prototypical would be a Russell Wilson type, a smaller guy who's athletic, Aaron Rodgers. That's the sort of template that we're going to be uh, uh, presented with in the future because the pocket, just the straight pocket passer, you can't, uh, defensive linemen are too athletic. It's not going to be possible to sustain that um, anymore. And good riddance, by the way. My favorite football quarterbacks, my favorite quarterbacks of all time, are always dual threat quarterbacks. Mike Vick, obviously. Cam Newton's my favorite player right now that's not named Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I love watching Aaron Rodgers. Andrew Luck, even though he had a, a shitty season this year, he's he's a really, really athletic player. Um, You know, Russell Wilson is incredible and... I still think is underrated because a lot of people don't think he's good or as good as, you know, he proves that he is. Like, he's an elite quarterback. He's a top f- five, seven quarterback in this league, probably five. And he doesn't get his due. Um, but that's more of the prototype. Um, Cam is amazing. He's black. This is Black History Month, man. And. Cam is black history. <laughs> you understand? Cam is black history. He's making black history every day. Every single day. Like, his press conference about... uh, uh, uh It's a process, a slow process. Like, cooked greens. Like, this nigga is country as hell. He's always smiling. He's dabbing, hitting folks. Like, he's, he's doing it. He's winning. He's making white people mad. It's It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm, I might cry during the Super Bowl. I'm very. I'm a very emotional, emotional guy when it comes to black people, and I might cry if he wins the Super Bowl. I'm not gonna lie, um, but I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it's gonna be a good game, but I'm hoping. I'm praying. I'm optimistic about it. Um, just um, just one more thing before I uh, bid you guys adieu. Um, you know, I've had a really tough four or five years. A lot of good things have happened to me, but like my mental health has deteriorated my self-confidence, my, um, just my overall state of being has, um, you know, has really taken its toll on me. 
And I wanted to get into this to sort of ease that strain, have something not only to distract me, but to, to, you know, let out my creativity. And right now this, this thing isn't that creative. It's sort of all over the place and it's, it doesn't have real structure. Um, I'm just trying this out right now. I'm working out the kinks and everything like that. And I, I hope to get a more finished product to a lot of you guys in the future. But, um, we talk about um depression and we talk about mental illness especially in black people and it's there's a lot of stigma we don't like to talk about it we don't like to talk amongst we don't like to talk amongst ourselves we don't like to talk to people we don't like to seek help and a lot of that stems from you know class like we don't have the opportunity to seek help because we don't have the funds to a lot of white people that are able to seek help are able to because of their affluence and there is not as big a stigma there as there is with black people um i know a lot of black women who've been taxed taxed tasked excuse me, with the, you know, whole angry black woman stereotype have a lot of, you know, internal issues and conflicts that deteriorate their mental health because they try to shun the stereotype or try to embrace the stereotype or, you know, it's a, it's a difficult situation. A lot of black men don't like to talk about their feelings because we've been conditioned that talking about your feelings is gay and everything is gay, right? Everything you do, unless you're chopping wood and, you know, you're gay regardless um, because that's still an insult in 2016 now to be homosexual. Like, that's whatever. Um We'll, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll discuss a lot of these things. But um, I just want to say for anybody out there that's going through anything, you're not alone. Um, I'm here with you. And hopefully this can be something where we, you know, are able to exercise our demons. Talk about our issues. Love each other more. One thing. I've seen a lot more now is black love is, you know, more prevalent and stronger than, you know, ever, in my opinion, since 2014, August 2014. You know, we 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 love and protect each other a lot more now because it's, you know, it's self-preservation. We have no one else but ourselves. And it gets, I get really down a lot when black men shit on black women or black men don't take the time to listen to black women or uplift black women the same way that they do for black men. Um, Because we are all we got. Black women, like if there's a totem, black men are the lowest on the totem. Black women aren't even on that totem. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's, I don't even, I can't even explain it to you, obviously, because I'm not. But 
from from every woman in my life every black woman in my life that I talk to it's just an added burden on them and it 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 kills it kills you this is why black life expectancy is like less like racism kills us environmental racism kills us food deserts kill us uh, 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 our mental health issues kill us. The fact that we don't have access to adequate, you know what I'm saying, adequate solutions to to help kills us. And I think I think that with this podcast, I'm sort of exercising my own demons and seeking my own help in my own little way. And I just hope that um, everyone comes along for the ride. Um, and that's it for this week. Um, hopefully next week I can get the quality a little bit better, get it a little bit more structured. Um, shout out to everybody listening. This is No You Can't Say Hi. You can follow me on Twitter, J-A-W-N-B-R-O-W-N, John Brown. And follow at no you can't say hi. Um, email me at no you uh, no you can't say hi at gmail dot com. Questions, concerns, anything, uh, suggestions, improvements, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the whole shebang. And I will talk to you guys later. <laughs>